Blog Talk Radio. of money is extraordinarily important to consider. You have a relationship with money and you have a relationship with the way you have the capacity to be rich or to earn money or to take care of the financial obligations of your life. And so in the next 30 minutes, you're going to consider a lot of different variables. You're going to find those particular components of your psychology of money that are your next step to take in terms of being able to create the type of money you need and you want for now and for your future. So consider very much um, the, the information herein. would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at drcarolfrancis.com or drcarolfrancisshow at gmail.com or 310-543-1824. Let's step right into the seven secrets of extremely prosperous people. One of the avenues I'm, I'm considering for this is called The Multiple Streams of Income, written by Robert G. Allen a book that I read some years ago, and a lot of value offered in his particular insights. Let's consider the different money skills that he mentioned. The first one is you need to value money. The second one, you need to manage manage the money. Third, you need to save money. Fourth, you need to invest money. Fifth, you need to make it. Sixth, you need to shield your money. And seventh, you need to share your money. Now, those particular Seven aspects of money skills is extremely important. Now, let's take number one, value money. I find that often people who cannot earn money, they tend to not look for the opportunities at, at opportunities and skills that they have to be able to market it, market themselves to be able to earn the money. Secondly, they're also not real comfortable with actually charging money for what it is they have to offer. And so as a consequence, they don't value themselves in terms of the money and their time invested in other people and how that might produce the money for them. But in addition, they don't value money because they're more likely to spend it carelessly than they are to actually consider that money takes X amount of effort or energy to produce or that you can actually earn money by saving it or investing or shielding it in such a way that you um, can can say, well, you know, I'm in charge of money now because I know how to think in terms of prosperity. Now, in talking about investing money or valuing money, I want you to consider the following. If you were to take $200 per month, now that may be a lot for you, that may not be a lot for you, and you found some way to grow it approximately 20% per year for the next 20 years, do you realize that you would have $632,000 at the end of those 20 years? So if you are uh, 20 years old at age 40, you're going to have an extra amount of $632,000 available for you that you can then invest elsewise. Now, if you waited a year for yourself to be able to invest that money, you would lose $116,000. Now, do you realize that every single moment that you wait, you could actually be losing money. And if you value money, you are going to look at money as how, in the moment, the money that I have, how can I value it? How can I invest it? How can I save it? How can I shield it? 
as opposed to how can I spend it. Spending is important too. But if you can take a certain amount of money, again, let's take those $200. Take the $200 and, and over 30 years, if you were to invest it in 20%, you would earn $842,803. A lot of money, right? Now, if you were actually to wait an extra year, you would make almost a million dollars in the future. That's over $2,000 a day. That's almost $100 per hour, your work hour. Now, you really want to understand that every dollar that you make is what's called seed money, and that's one of the Rockefeller rules. You can grow rich on the money that you're not wasting. You can make poor decisions today, and and you can't expect to be poor tomorrow, or you can make rich decisions today and expect to be rich tomorrow. Next. Another Rockefeller rule is the longer you wait to get started, the steeper your claim will be. And finally, a dollar that you waste today destroys 100,000 future dollars. So make your money work for you. Give it away, perhaps. Pay yourself, perhaps. Live on the rest, perhaps. But the first thing to do is to recognize that you want to value the dollar and value how much each of those dollars can be producing money for you and your family down the road. So do research along those lines. Now, here are other Rockefeller rules. Work for all that you can get. Give away the first 10%, that's a tithing, an attitude of giving and generosity. Then pay yourself the next 10%, that's the play money. Now, you want to also pay yourself the next 10% in terms of what you invest. That's my additional aspect to it. Then see if you can live on the rest. That's like 70% of the money. But make sure that you can pay attention and account for each of your money. Now, is there a way of becoming poor by looking at every penny? Yes. It's called penny-wise, dollar-foolish. So you want to make sure that while you're looking at every penny that you save or spend, look at it in terms of the vigorousness that it gives you in your future, not in terms of the stinginess with which you have to hold your money close to yourself as if you're somehow going to lose it. This is this leads us to our next aspect of money and the psychology of money. You can actually think poor and grow poor. And one way you think poor and grow poor is to be very, very fearful of what's going to happen to your money. Living in fear always creates a constriction not only of your physiology, but of your mind, your creativity, and your ability to make money and invest money. There's always a risk component to investing money. There's always a risk component to giving money away. So you want to be able to think wisely but not fearfully about the money that you have to invest, to give away, and to have fun with. Now, prosperity thinking is another way that people often will approach money. And prosperity thinking is associated to when you align yourself with your beliefs, your expectations, your feelings, and your goals, with your realistic levels of abundance, optimism, and confidence. Now, that quote comes from Dr. Um, lost his name. He was a friend of mine that I knew from way, way back, Gottfurch. That's G-O-T-T-F-U-R-C-H-T. G-O-T-T-F-U-R-C-H-T. Dr. Gottfurch has spent most of his professional life as a psychologist trying to understand the psychology of money 
and what is necessary in order for you to be able to build a better relationship with money. But he says the prosperity thinking is a lot about being able to align yourself with your beliefs, your values, your expectations, and your goals, and what is associated with your realistic levels of abundance, optimism, and confidence. So if we move forward with thinking about prosperity thinking, one of the aspects of prosperity thinking is your ability to enjoy your job or your career. It's quite clear in research that individuals that love what it is they do as a work, as what they perform, has a great deal to do with their sense of happiness because they tap into their sense of productivity, creativity, and their own sense of worth. And this contributes to their significant sense of happiness. So if you look more on articles written by um, Sonia Lou Bamorski, boy, these names are way beyond my ability to enunciate. It's S-O-N-J-A and then L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-R-S-K-Y. You will understand more about how you pursue happiness and what the science is associated to happiness and how it relates to your ability to make money. What I have noticed about individuals that make a lot of money is that they are usually very happy or enthusiastic or excited about what it is they do. Now, some people that make a lot of money just love to make a lot of money. It's all about making money. Now, they're willing to lose money and they're willing to invest money and they're willing to take risks with money because they just enjoy the process of interfacing with money. There's something about wealth and rich and finances that just turns them on and excites them. Now, that's a one group of prosperity thinkers. But other groups of prosperity thinkers are not about the money, but rather about the creativity they manifest through their jobs. Now, they value their jobs, and therefore they value the money that they're given, that they're paid. But they also really value their enthusiasm and their productivity and what significance that offers in their life. So they're simultaneously able to understand the value of what they do in terms of money the pay that they're given, but also the enthusiasm with which they pour into their job. What you find is that people that are very enthusiastic and invested in their job tend to also be high functioners and inspire other individuals to enjoy their work and enjoy what they have to offer because everybody prefers to be around people who are enthusiastic, dynamic, creative, and productive. And as a consequence, those individuals tend to be superior performers. They tend to get accelerated in their job situation a lot better than those individuals that just look at their jobs as jobs. So the career aspect of being able to earn money is huge in terms of prosperity thinking. But it's about being able to earn money in a way that creates enthusiasm and meaningfulness for you as well. Now that brings us to another component of success thinking, and that is the ability to immerse yourself in the process of whatever it is you want to produce. So if you want to produce a lot of wealth for you, you want to live with the immersion the immersion law. You know, there's law of attraction, there's law of manifestation, there's law of creation. There's also law of immersion. What you will immerse yourself into in terms of your time, your enthusiasm, your energies, your creativity, your family involvement, what you immerse yourself in is usually what you're going to be able to create from. So if you immerse yourself in sadness, you'll create a lot of sadness. If you immerse yourself in generosity, you'll create a lot of generosity. If you immerse yourself in your job, you'll be able to create a lot associated to your job. Now, 
Therefore, what you want to do is also be able to immerse yourself in the ability to create money so that you would be able to be excited about the process of what is it going to take to create extreme prosperity? What is it going to take? So you become excited about researching, reading the various gurus on it, like Bob Proctor and Hal Dorskin or Robert Allen or any of the other, Randy Gage, any of the other individuals that are really eager to, to be enthusiastic about having income. And so you will immerse yourself in trying to understand, educate yourself, You'll be able to look at those individuals that earn a lot of money, and you'll be able to see those principles that specifically are associated to your capacity to earn money. And remember, not all qualities of other individuals are really all that dynamically helpful for you. You have to be able to pay attention to what is your particular way of going about earning money. Remember, earning money means saving, that means investing. It means tithing and gifting. It means managing money. It means making it. It means shielding it, and it means sharing it. And again, those are principles by Robert G. Allen. So you want to be able to think of immersing yourself in a way in the money, the study of money, to be able to produce it. Now, I think that it's important for us along these particular lines to look at the seven different ways that people will lie to themselves about how they need to make money so that you cannot really completely buy into your attitude toward money because you need to be able to look at those ways in which you lie to yourself. Now, this is according to um, the website called IWillTeachYouTobeRich.com, and it talks about seven different lies. Consider the following. One, I want to make passive income. You spend an inordinate amount of time trying to passively make money. Secondly, if I just try harder, I can save more. And if there's that feeling of trying and trying and trying, then you may actually be living in the fear and in the deficit associated with money. Here's the third lie that they discuss. I'm going to start keeping a budget. But notice that in starting to keep a budget, you don't want to move into the fear component of how you have to conserve and conserve and conserve as opposed to being able to really successfully think about all dimensions of making money. Now, how about this? My friends go on vacation four times a year, and he makes less money than me. So what's wrong? What's going on? What you want to do is you want to look at a lot of different ways of being able to earn money and how you can go on trips and enjoy your money. Remember, Robert Allen says there's 80% of the money you can use, which also includes paying your bills. And I suggest there's 70% of your money that you can use, which includes also paying bills. There are lots of different ways of being able to do creative ways of spending your money and having a great time. Be creative about it. Remember, when you're immersing yourself in the attitude of being able to be wealthy or have prosperity, you also immerse yourself in the enjoyment, being able to figure out creative ways of doing what you want to do without using a lot of money. Now, here's another lie. I'm different than everybody else. I don't need to save up money for weddings or kids or cars or life insurance or disability insurance or those sorts of things. So, in other words, you begin to put yourself outside the loop of what value it has for saving money. How about those individuals who say, I'm going to make money only by investing in stocks? 
for some individuals become so immersed in that process. And yes, there's a percentage of people that actually make money and only invest in themselves. Absolutely. Do you want to consider making yourself as diverse as possible, understanding the aspects of money? Now, how about this lie? Money is just for greedy people, and I don't need to worry about this stuff. So you can understand completely that money is not about greed. It's often about need. Money is not about greed. It's also about enjoying your life and being able to serve those whom you're responsible for and serve the welfare and the benefit of your life. Now, there are a lot of different ways of looking at yourself in terms of money. So let's take a pause. Let's take a moment and just think about money and what it means to you. Every aspect of our life has different sorts of risk variables involved, and therefore you have to measure it. And some of us are much more risk-averse than others. And part of the psychology of money is being able to know what type of security you are in need of. Now, some people need a great deal of security, and they're going to put their money in types of savings that are really small in terms of risk, but very good in terms of saving money. How about if you decide what your risk variable is and Help yourself in your comfort zone being able to save at that level in a very secure way. Then in addition, as you'll find out by financial advisors, you want to decide what percentage of money you're willing to take a risk with and then what level of risk you want to take. And at those points in time, look at the money and look at the money you are willing to risk and decide if you can find a 20%, 25%, or 30% chance of of being able to accrue interest on that money. Now, if you have the flexibility to have some money set aside for risk investment, then you're going to also have a different attitude about money because every dollar you make, part is going to be about security and part of it is going to be about risk. And part of it is going to be about taking care of your daily needs and chores. So suddenly money becomes multivariant. It isn't one thing versus another. It's not just your need. It's not just, oh, my goodness, how am I going to take this next moment? It's about being able to look at money on all different levels. Now, most people don't think about money on all different levels because they simply were not taught to do that. They're only taught what they could earn and how they could spend because let's admit it, when you are a parent raising a child, you give your child money to spend on a date, on gasoline, on fun. How many of you actually give your children money to invest? How many actually give your children money to risk on investment? How many of you give your child money to put into some sort of possible career path or income? I know we pay for college and universities in that way. We save money for our children to go to college. But how many of you actually look at that as an investment or your child an investment and their ability to actually grow the money as well. So money is like a garden. Some of it you're going to eat now. Some of it you're going to 
invest and fertilize and for the future. Some of it is not trying to seed it yet because it's the wrong season. And some of it is really slow growing and others of it is so fast growing that it looks like a weed and maybe, in fact, it is a weed in the waste of time. So look at money from all sorts of different perspectives as you immerse yourself in the understanding of what money means for you. Let's look at the compassion of your career. attacked by a cat here so if you heard me tell that cat to stop hurting me that's exactly what you heard um it's really it's really interesting being a a part of the realm of the world that don't care anything about money i want you to think about your car cares so much about you taking care of it and it's just going to guzzle your money your house cares so much about how you take care of it, and it's just going to consume your money. Your kids can care a great deal about their fun, and they could just consume money. So you want to look at those things around you that care nothing about value of earning it and the time and effort um, or, or what it is to really take money into consideration. But instead, they're just there to consume and take and use. And you want to look at those aspects of your particular life, and they're in all of our lives, and go, wow, that is a bottomless pit. How much do I invest in that bottomless pit without having a return? Do I have a return for my house? Do I have a return for my children? Interesting to have a return for my car. Now, every single thing that you're pouring money into that looks like a bottomless pit you could actually also simultaneously look at how you're going to be able to get money back out of it and win so that your attitude by the money that you invest in it can be thought in terms of the exchange of what it's going to produce in the future. Now, for example, if something is comfortable to you, like a television or a computer or a music system or an entertainment system or going out to dinner, can you simultaneously make those things produce money for you? Can you make your television part of your money production? Yes, you absolutely can because it can be part of your education. You can make it so that it's always reading off the types of money that you're investing in stocks simultaneously to watching it. You can also use your money as ways of being able to produce income for you if you are about creating things that can go on YouTube or things that are going to be part of the video world, especially nowadays. But in addition, notice, we now have to pay for television. When I was growing up, television was free because we were inundated with commercials. Now we're inundated with commercials and we pay for the right to watch television. So yay for the television companies who have decided to make money on those of us that want to watch it. But is it just possible that what you watch on TV can produce money for you? Yes, it is. For example, if you're watching a program that you can use to write on your on your on your blog, on your site that are all about promoting yourself, 
then go for it. Watch those shows and consider that you can actually deduct the money of the cost of your television show that you're watching if you make reference to it in some other stream of income. And nowadays with the Internet, you can use all sorts of Internet tools make just a little bit of money and still be able to deduct it. Of course, I realize that's all about accounting and taxing, but that's just my way of illustrating to you that anything that you put money into that seems like it's just guzzling it, you can also look at it as a possible way to earn money. For example, do you have a house with a nice backyard? How about offering that backyard for someone to have a wedding in and just charge a little bit of money for them to be able to use that backyard? Or maybe you can take photographs of that and put it on some nice photo sites you actually might be able to make a buck or two. Now, let's go back and talk about what that buck or two can mean. And love Robert G. Allen's way of looking at the dollar. Because every dollar is a money seed, as he says. It's like a tiny acorn, he says, that contains the power to grow into a mighty oak tree. And you want to be able to say, hmm, wouldn't it be fun to be able to do this earn a little bit of money, have a little bit of fun, and be able to value that dollar. And that's what his first principle of the seven secrets of being rich or extremely conscious people, valuing opportunity, valuing money, and I'm saying value the opportunity to make money. Now, on the other side of it, I also wanted you to think for a moment about the compassion of your careers, and that's when we took another break. Do you realize that within the context of your job and your career, you can actually touch people's lives so that their lives are benefited, whether it's the way you cheer and greet them during the day, whether it's the way you assist them, whether it's the way your particular career actually increases the value of other people's lives. And you want to understand the compassion component of your career. Your career is going to mean more to you and you're going to be more enthusiastic if you have a sense of the meaningfulness of what it is that you do. Now, your career, your job, is also that you produce income for yourself and for those whom you're responsible for. And so if you value it, you are going to be able to immerse yourself in your career with a lot more vigorousness and then also a lot more easy, relaxed, and comfortableness because you know it has value to the heart of human nature. Now, that's also very interesting associated to the spiritual aspect of money. And yes, money, financial, profit is a spiritual journey. Now, the word spiritual means a lot of different things to people. Spiritual means for some people a religious point of view, wonderful uh, doctrines or texts of writing, um, a, a certain type of belief or expression of belief in God, um, a, a connection to angels and spirits. It can also mean the mindfulness and the meditativeness of those individuals who do not believe in God as necessarily a personal being, but that there's a spiritual realm or there's your soul or there's the intangible parts of who you are, your mindfulness, your mind, your attitude, those things that you care about that are on an emotional and mental level, that can also be spiritual as well. You want to be able to think about money on that spiritual level. Because it's not just about what you can buy or how much you can accumulate or what you can say is your dollar worth. But it's also your ability to engage in this world in a non-materialistic way that produces a sense of tremendous care, compassion, worthiness, meaningfulness, the word purpose, 
all of those particular aspects of emotions that you bring to the table, you need to look at money with it well. So your attitude toward money has to have a spiritual, mindful component to it. Why? One, that keeps you out of being stingy. Two, it keeps you out of being so occupied with money that all you become is is that scrooge with it. Three, it makes you so that you're not just accumulating money that you're going to lose because you're going to be stupid about it. Um, it's not just all about self, oh, I don't know, gratification. It's about a bigger purpose. And what they have discovered, those that are into the prosperity thinking, is that individuals that invest, 10% of their money into the express meaning and purposefulness actually have a higher income level than those individuals that just produce money for the sake of being rich. So there's richness in money and there's richness in purposefulness. And apparently the mindfulness of money is just as impacted about the way you earn it, the way you manage it, the way you save it, and the way you invest it as well as the way you have a spiritual connection to being able to share it and to be able to know that it is worthwhile if you are earning the money in a way that's purposefully enriching the well-being of other individuals. Well, this is an introduction to money, a way of thinking about money, when perhaps, just perhaps, money was a little bit puzzling to you. I suggest you look on different sites like I will teach you to be rich.com, psychologyofmoneyblog.com, psychologytoday.com is associated to success and money, and allaboutprosperity.com. As well as you can reach me at drcarolfrancis.com or at 213, I'm sorry, 310 543 543-1824. I look forward to talking to you. Be in touch.